If you're anything like me, the thought of slaving away in the kitchen for hours after a hectic day is a little less than appealing. But what if I told you that I've got a little something to make your weekday anti-inflammatory eating a breeze? Introducing my free checklist, the must-have kitchen staples for effortless anti-inflammatory dinners. This is your ticket to stress-free weekday dinners and consistent success in the kitchen. Imagine not having to deal with last-minute grocery store runs or staring at your pantry in exhaustion. Imagine coming home from a demanding day, effortlessly whipping up an anti-inflammatory meal, and still having time to unwind, relax, and catch up on your favorite shows. All you have to do is head over to betterwithcarbo.com forward slash checklist and claim your free copy of this invaluable resource. Let this checklist be your guide to transform your kitchen into a haven of effortless anti-inflammatory cooking and well-balanced meals. Get ready for a life where weekday anti-inflammatory eating is not just easier, but it's downright delightful. Your journey to a healthier, more vibrant you starts right now. Hello and welcome to the Inflamed in the Brain podcast. I'm your host, Chrissy, and today we're talking about weight loss. I'm Chrissy Carbo, registered dietitian and host of the Inflamed in the Brain podcast. Here we cut through the confusion and complexity of inflammatory health to deliver straightforward, bite-sized strategies and information you can easily apply to your life. Not too long ago, I was lost in a sea of information, overwhelmed by the challenges of inflammation. But through years of trial, education, and self-discovery, I learned to break free from the chaos of fad diets and cultivate a practical anti-inflammatory lifestyle that not only helped me stabilize my own diagnosis, but thrive with it. Whether you're an autoimmune warrior or simply seeking a healthier, uncomplicated life, you found your tribe. Join me as we explore realistic strategies that can make a profound difference in your life. So if you're ready to embrace a simpler, healthier way of living, you're in the right place, my friend. Let's dive in, learn, and grow together. Welcome to the Inflamed in the Brain podcast. Let's get started. With 2023 wrapping up and 2024 rolling around, I know you're already thinking about those New Year resolutions. And if you haven't given any thought to your resolutions, what would be the top of mind? If I had to guess, I would say weight loss is somewhere on that list. And I get it, man. It's been ingrained in us in order to look better, to feel better, to be more confident in our bodies, to have people love us. We need to lose weight. We need to be smaller. Being the chunkier one out of three kids, I was always reminded of my weight. My siblings would make jokes here and there. My dad oh so lovingly called me chunky girl growing up and he still does to this day. And I would have my tias telling me that I needed to lose weight in order to get a boyfriend. So it was no wonder that from a very young age, I've been experimenting with all kinds of diets that kept me from eating lots of foods that, in hindsight, partially contributed to my autoimmune diagnosis years down the line. If you're dieting, you're restricting. When you restrict, you don't receive the nutrients you need. When you don't receive the nutrients you need, your body doesn't function properly. When your body doesn't function properly, you experience symptoms, you group those symptoms together, and your doctor labels you with a diagnosis. Now, I get why you might be skeptical when I tell you you need to stop prioritizing weight loss for your health. Our doctors that we trust with our health often recommend weight loss for everything. Inflammation, lose weight. High blood pressure, lose weight. Joint pain, gotta lose weight. Your friend talks about how she lost weight and her migraines disappeared. Celebrities rave about losing weight and suddenly they have boundless energy. But the truth is, weight loss isn't the magic fix for all of these issues. 
It's more like a side effect of the lifestyle changes that people make that actually resolve their symptoms, not the weight loss. Weight loss isn't a bad thing, but on its own, it's just not a sustainable health goal. Your weight is influenced by a bunch of things. What you eat, how you move, how you sleep, the pills you take, your hormones, those subconscious habits that we have. And the key to improving your health is to adopt a personalized approach instead of getting stuck in the one-size-fits-all methods for weight loss. And those methods often lead us to these mistakes that we're going to talk about today. So let's jump into this conversation and gear you up for 2024 success. When we prioritize weight loss, there are different routes that people take to accomplish this. And one of those ways is calorie counting. There are a few problems when it comes to counting calories. These days, when people look at food that's lower calorie, they consider it to be a better food option, a good food. Anything that's higher in calories is questionable and usually labeled as a bad food. But this is all relative to the person. You may look at something that's 500 calories and think that it's a good food, and I may look at something with 500 calories and think that it's way too much. By definition, a calorie is a unit of heat. The term calorie came about in the mid-1800s, and it was used to define the amount of heat required to raise the temperature of water by one degree Celsius. Today, we use the calorie to define the amount of energy produced from a food when it's broken down by our bodies. A lot of people, though, use calories to determine the health value of food. If it's a high-calorie food, it's unhealthy. If it's a low-calorie food, it's likely considered healthy. And with calorie counting for weight loss, people will find out how many calories they need in a day. And honestly, there are so many different ways to do this that'll give you a slightly different number every time. And then they create a calorie deficit. So 3,500 calories is equal to one pound of fat. So the idea is that if you create a deficit where you eat, let's say, 500 fewer calories in a day, you'll lose about a pound a week. The thing is, if we only focus on the calorie content of food, we may inadvertently limit our food choices and overlook some incredibly nutritious options. It's like looking at the world through a narrow lens, only seeing part of the picture. When our main concern is calorie counting for weight loss, we end up concentrating on quantity rather than the quality of the food. And the biggest takeaway here is calories in does not equal calories out. It is a common misconception that all calories are created equal, but the truth is it is far more nuanced. Surprise, surprise. 250 calories of Doritos will not metabolize the same way as 250 calories of avocado. Also, 250 calories of Doritos will not provide the same health benefits as 250 calories of avocado. And when it comes to your health, you should care more about how the food itself interacts with your body instead of the number on the label. It's about how these calories interact with our body. Nutrient density, which is the richness of vitamins and minerals in our food, should be a priority. It's about fueling our bodies with foods that contribute to our well-being, not just foods that fit a certain caloric quota. Your Doritos may very well provide a quick burst of energy, but they lack the essential nutrients that are needed for better health, like omega-3 fatty acids, folate, vitamin C, vitamin K, zinc, potassium, and they actually have ingredients that are known detriments to your health. On the other hand, avocado not only brings energy, but it also brings a wealth of vitamins, minerals, and healthy fat. So the next time you're at the supermarket and you pick something up and you're reading the nutrition facts label to decide if you're going to get this food or not, 
I challenge you to give attention to the ingredients list instead of the calories per serving. What kind of ingredients go into making this food? Are there pro-inflammatory fats hidden in there? Do you spot some anti-inflammatory ingredients that could potentially contribute to your well-being? You can eat a crap diet where the majority of the food that you take in is low calorie and has very little nutrient density, which would support inflammatory conditions and still have a caloric deficit that encourages weight loss. Or you can opt for a diet that provides your body with what it truly needs, a powerhouse of anti-inflammatory nutrients. And as a bonus, you may be shedding a few pounds. Which path would you rather take? Another commonly made mistake in the pursuit of health through weight loss is the tendency to overexercise. Exercise, in essence, is a stressor to our body. Now, don't get me wrong, exercise comes with tons of health benefits and the stress pathways it triggers are integral to our physical resilience and strength. But this is another area where you need to find balance so that your body has a chance to rest and recover, otherwise you run into a few issues. When we push ourselves during exercise, we develop these micro tears in our muscles that trigger inflammation and the release of inflammatory proteins called cytokines. This is a natural and totally fine response because it's temporary. And this kind of inflammation calls for satellite cells that help our muscles repair and grow. Now, when you skip those rest and recovery days and overexert yourself, you're constantly triggering the release of those inflammatory proteins and you're not giving those reparative cells a chance to do what they need to do. Another thing that happens when you overexercise is that you increase your cortisol levels. Cortisol is commonly known as the stress hormone and plays a really important role in our flight or fight response. I went over this in another episode about stress that I'll link to in the show notes, but when we exercise, naturally cortisol levels rise, which triggers the release of glucose from various storage units in our bodies so that we have the energy to power through our workout. However, when you overexert yourself without any rest, cortisol sticks around longer than it should. This prolonged elevation in cortisol levels not only weakens our immune system, but it also fosters an environment conducive to systemic inflammation, which means inflammation all over the body. This kind of long-term inflammation happens with over-exercising and it opens the door to a range of health issues from joint problems to compromised immunity. We go into this in a little bit more detail in episode five of Inflamed in the Brain, but you can go to betterwithcarbo forward slash five to listen when you're done here, but I'll also link to it in the show notes. So if you're planning to exercise more for your health in 2024, let it be because it makes you feel good, not because you're trying to punish yourself for a meal or earn calories or you simply just want to be smaller. Exercise releases endorphins that support our mental health. And when we get too caught up in the number on the scale, we can easily grow frustrated and resentful of ourselves, which doesn't help us keep up with our exercise goal throughout the year. And we can hurt ourselves if we don't allow ourselves to rest. You need to find that sweet spot so that your body responds positively to the exercise that you're doing. Instead of the goal being the number on the scale and getting smaller, what if the goal was to do a push-up without any modifications? Or maybe get through a set without needing as many breaks? These are truer testaments to your body responding positively to your health improving by your exercise efforts than the number on the scale. Believe it or not, dieting is also a flawed method of weight loss. This may be a little confusing, but bear with me. In its purest form, a diet is simply a way of eating. However, in today's world, it has morphed into this loaded term, often synonymous with restrictive eating for the sole purpose of weight loss. All diets out there come with their own set of rules that you need to follow, 
But the problem with dieting is that there is no one-size-fits-all solution to eating in order to improve your health. Everybody is different. We all have different preferences. We all come from different cultures. We all have different relationships with food. Yet anyone who sells you on their diet is telling you that this is the one way of eating and this one way of eating is the best way to fix all of your health problems. So you're determined to lose weight. You want to feel better in your body. So you follow this one diet that had so many testimonials of people claiming that their pant size shrunk five sizes. They lost pounds in double digits. And you're on this diet and you may not be 100% sure why you're not eating some of those foods that you're not eating, but you just want to lose weight. And sure, maybe you lose a couple of pounds and everyone notices and congratulates you, but at the end of the day, you're still so hungry and you're always craving something. Here's the thing. When you restrict yourself from eating food, especially food that's personal to you, food that you love to eat, you will always feel unsatisfied, no matter how much weight you lose. And when you follow dietary restrictions without considering your personal preferences and nutritional needs, it's like a ticking time bomb of cravings building up silently beneath the surface. Sooner or later, those restrictions become too much, the cravings are too intense, and you find yourself zonked out on a binge eating episode. You're not only eating the food that you've been avoiding, but you're eating tons of it. And you feel defeated afterwards. You feel like you failed. Not only does this cycle of restriction and eventual binging, aka what's known as yo-yo dieting, wreak havoc on your mental health, but there's also physiological consequences, consequences in your body. When we diet and over-restrict, there are metabolic changes that happen in response to the perceived scarcity. You may have all good intent in the world to lose weight to improve your health, but your body sees this restriction as there being a lack of food available. So it kicks into survival mode and your metabolism slows down and your body becomes really good at storing energy as fat. This kind of natural and adaptive response is what leads people to plateauing or experiencing that stubborn weight loss in their weight loss journey. With dieting, you may also run into nutrient deficiencies. Rigorous diet rules often limit a variety of foods, sometimes even entire food groups, leading to shortfalls in essential nutrients. This is where you can experience some freaky symptoms. The irony here is that while you're diligently working to follow these rules and improve your health, you may unintentionally be depriving your body of crucial vitamins and minerals it needs to function properly. Think about it this way. If dieting worked, there would be no health problems in the world. But the truth is, if you want to improve your health through food, the key lies in finding sustainable and balanced approaches to eating in a way that nourishes your body, your mind, and makes you feel good. Instead of depriving yourself of your favorite foods, what else can you add to your plate to balance it out? I also have a podcast episode where I talk about shifting your mindset to find success in your diet, so I'll link to that in the show notes. But it's time to shift the focus from quick fixes to long-term well-being embracing a way of eating that aligns with your individual needs and preferences. Last but not least, let's talk about the fourth mistake that you can make in the pursuit of weight loss, the oversight of non-scale victories. This, my friend, may be the biggest mistake that you can make when you focus solely on weight loss because non-scale victories are the most authentic and genuine indicators that your efforts are working. In a world obsessed with numbers on the scale, it's easy to lose sight of countless other gains that you're making in improving your health. Non-scale victories cover a whole bunch of positive changes that go way beyond just the numbers on your bathroom scale. 
These victories are silent but mighty testimonials to the amazing transformation happening inside of your body. Instead of focusing on the number on the scale, have you noticed that you have more energy to play with your kids before bed? Do you have a sharper focus at work? Are you using your asthma pump less? Do you feel more comfortable in your jeans? Are you sleeping better at night? These are just a few examples of non-scale victories, but my point here is you may miss out on celebrating these really big wins and true markers of success if you focus on the number on the scale. Let's not forget that our health is multifaceted. Our health has a mix of various factors. Our bodies give us signals in many ways to let us know if we're right on track or if something's wrong. So when we're seeking proof of improvement, it's not just about the number on the scale. It goes way beyond that. For example, if you go to your doctor and he tells you that you have high blood pressure, so you should lose weight, don't you think that a good marker of blood pressure improvement would be if your blood pressure goes down, not your weight? Simply put, your weight is just a number on the scale. It just tells you how heavy you are. It doesn't take into account your muscle mass, your bone density, body fat percentage, nutrient deficiencies, gut integrity, inflammation. I can go on forever. So the next time you find yourself on your scale and you're feeling disappointed, don't forget to celebrate the non-scale victories. They are the real proof that you're right on track towards better health and vitality. Well, there you have it. After years of diving into the world of nutrition, both professionally as a dietitian and personally through my own dieting adventures, I can confidently say that plain old weight loss and relying on these four methods will not be the magic fix to your health issues in the long run. Sure, you might see some short-term gains, but it's a quick fix that doesn't really last because these methods aren't built for the long haul. Back in my days working as a dietitian in a nursing home, I never once had a patient crunching calorie numbers. Not a single 80-year-old telling me that they were rocking the keto lifestyle. And let's talk exercise. Giving your body the rest that it needs is the secret sauce to actually reaping the benefits of all of that physical hard work. So take it from someone who's seen and experienced the ins and outs of it all, sustainable habits beat short-lived fixes any day. And before I leave you today, I really want to drive home my main point here. When you're outlining your health goals for 2024, I encourage you to keep weight loss on the sidelines. Picture it as a side effect to the efforts that you're taking in order to boost your health, rather than the main purpose of your efforts, because it really isn't a sustainable goal. Don't overlook those non-scale victories. Those are the things that should be taking center stage. And trust me, by giving them the spotlight, you're setting the stage for a more thriving and triumphant 2024. You'll find more success. You'll feel more self-assured and motivated to sustain those newfound habits in the long run, which evidently give you long-term success. And that's what we want. If you found this episode helpful, please leave a review and share this episode with a friend who can also benefit from our little pep talk about weight loss. Reach out to me on Instagram. I'm at Better with Carbo. I want to hear from you. I want to hear what your goals are for 2024. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links mentioned in this episode. Until next time, guys, same time, same place. <laughs>